This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Hey, hey, welcome to Clip and Roll. I am your host, Justin Russo. I'm your other host, Farbaud Estashari from Sports Illustrated. And welcome to the Blue Wire podcast of Clip and Roll. You know, this is our sixth episode, I believe. And I understand there's not a lot happening in the, in the actual on-court basketball world. But a bunch of stuff happened in the digital on-court basketball world, world in the last several days, including Farbaud. The Los Angeles Clippers are 2-0 in this 2K Players Tournament. Yeah, it's starting to look like the Clippers have a legitimate shot to win the 2K Championship just like they had the real-life championship. Are you at all worried, though, that, um, and I don't mean to do this, but this is just who I am. I'm sorry. Are you a little bit worried about their second-round stuff? Because we've never made it past the second round, buddy. <laughs> no, actually, Pat did it smart, and he picked... He didn't pick the Clippers the first game because so the way Milwaukee. the game tournament works is it, once you pick a team once, you can't play them again. So Pat picked Milwaukee, so he still can pick the Clippers. And he actually specifically said, I'm saving them for the championship. And Trez picked the Clippers. So I think Pat has the right idea where he can save his big guns for later. So I'm not that worried yet. All right. So now if you, they're done with the first round and now we're into the quarterfinals, here are the quarterfinal matchups. The 16 seed Derek Jones jr. Against the eight seed Montrez Harrell, because Derek Jones jr. Beat Kevin Durant in the first round. Durant played as the Clippers. Derek Jones jr. Was the bucks and Durant was actually very bad at the game. It was really sad some some could say uh the clippers really blew durant away with their presentation okay we're done for today um <laughs> so yeah that's that's a quarterfinal matchup is Derek jones jr and montrez harrell another quarterfinal matchup is devin booker and rui hashimura if uh rui hashimura beat donovan mitchell on a buzz like basically it came down to the buzzer i don't know if you saw it oh, i didn't see that i only saw the clipper matchups and the kevin durant one okay so donovan mitchell was the nets rui was the lakers Rui won 74-71, but with like four seconds left, he was at the lineup by two, uh, had Danny Grant line, makes the first, misses the second. Uh, Mitchell kicks it ahead. Dinwiddie gets an open look from three. Uh, Mitchell does with Dinwiddie and, and just bricks it. It would have forced overtime. Uh, so that's the second quarterfinal matchup is Devin Booker, Rui Hashimura. The other one on the right side of the bracket 
uh, will end up being Trey Young, who absolutely demolished Harrison Barnes. It was bad against DeAndre Ayton. And the other one is Andre Drummond, who annihilated DeMarcus Cousins. Did you see any? Did you see the score of that? Nope. Drummond was up by seven at the half and won by fifty-two. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. And the and so Andre Drummond gets to face Patrick Beverly, who is the fourteen seed, because Patrick Beverly played against Hassan Whiteside, and he he said he was going to win by twenty, or win by thirty, win by thirty, right, and hold Hassan Whiteside under fifty five points, and he did both things. Yeah, I want to talk about those individual matchups too, because you know I was watching that first day on Friday, and I was like, man, this is really boring. They're just kind of sitting there, not really talking smack and i was like i hope to god patrick beverly just unloads and as soon as he came on there as soon as he got up 10 points he was he was a machine gun and i was just so happy about that at one point i think there was a minute to go in in the in the game he's up by 30 and he and he being patrick beverly starts screaming good rotation good rotation on defense up by 30 with a minute to go. <laughs> Patrick Beverly's like that guy. Like, I don't know if you've ever played. So I used to play uh, fighting games competitively. And sometimes you'll go against somebody at a tournament and like they'll have a group of friends that just talk mad trash. And you're like, I hate this guy. I want to beat this guy just so I could shut his friends up. And it's like Patrick Beverly is like that guy who has the most obnoxious friend come with him to a tournament that you just want to win just so you could shut that guy up. It's tremendous. I don't know if you've ever seen the, there's a famous tweet on Twitter, like in the Twitter history. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's basically, it goes like this. It's like Socrates. I am wiser than this man. He fancies he knows something, although he knows nothing. And the second part of the tweet says, Daryl Socrates, friend F him up Socrates. That's Patrick Beverly. That's Patrick Beverly right there. Yeah. I, I, I loved it. I loved, I hope he's in the finals, not just because he's a Clipper, but because he's going to make it as entertaining as humanly possible. Yeah. Like, I think that's the thing is like, this is for entertainment. Like, it's not great. Like the games are not great to watch. They're kind of dumb, but at the same time, like it's entertaining. If you, if two guys are going back and forth talking and like little things like that, like at least with Pat, he's such a trash talker. He's going to trash talk in a video game because he trash talks on an actual basketball court. You know, it's funny is some betting websites actually had Patrick Beverly listed as the least likely to win. They gave him a plus 2000 odds and it just seems so on brand, you know, to have Patrick Beverly be the guy they think's not going to win at all. I saw an article with him where he said that, uh, I believe it was, he, I believe he said he hasn't lost on 2k in like five or six years. Now I don't know how true he was being on that one, but listen, I know he takes it seriously. You know, it's weird because I always try to talk about video games with all of our guys in the locker room. And I've never heard Pat talk about video games ever. Not once. So I always, I would always hear Trez. I'd always hear PG. um, I used to hear Sam Decker. Sam Decker says he's the best Call of Duty player in the NBA. But uh, I didn't, I didn't know Pat was good. And then he was. Yeah, it's 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 kind of nice to see how good he is. It gives you some hope that like, hey, some of the Clipper guys are actually pretty good at video games, which seems like a dumb thing, but you know, it is what it is. It's always nice to see. And then 
Trez's match, you know, he didn't talk as much trash as Pat. It kind of just seemed like him and Sabonis are having a good time talking to each other. Um, but it just seems it was so funny to hear him just cheer on. <laughs> he would cheer on Zoo every time Zoo dunked. He'd be like, "You got this, Zoo." That was one of the funniest things is him dominating with Zubots. And then now it sounds stupid to say, but also Trez giving Zubots fourth quarter minutes, which I thought was actually hilarious. And it's it's funny because Trez, Trez and Zoo and like they like to talk a lot of trash to each other, like a lot of trash to each other. So to hear him be that supportive, I was like, he would never be this supportive in real life. Hey, listen, if he's supportive on the game, maybe that means he's subtly supportive in real life. I guess so. But you know what was interesting, though, about Trez was Sabonis asked him if he's had any workouts. Oh, yes. That was actually interesting when he starts talking about it. Yeah, that went really under the radar that I don't think anybody really picked up on where it's like he Sabonis asked if he had worked out at all. And Trez basically said all they've been doing is Skype videos with their strength and conditioning coach, but they haven't he hasn't touched a basketball at all since he's been quarantined, which is like three to four weeks now. So that kind of lets you know where a lot of the other guys are, where if they don't have like a private gym that they run, or if they don't have an indoor basketball court, like a lot of players aren't, they're they're not touching a ball right now. Right. It's, this sounds weird to say, especially in basketball terms, but there's a gulf between the haves and the have nots, even with basketball players. Like some players are wealthy enough and well off enough to have their own home gyms and basketball courts at home. And other guys just aren't. I think that's a big difference that hasn't been talked about at least enough among just NBA players in general. You know, you talk about all these sports that have been, you know, postponed for the time being, and obviously basketball is one of them. So the fact that they're not able to actually train functionally at a, at a home gym or on a basketball court at their own premises is kind of interesting from the standpoint that everyone's not on a level playing field during this quarantine. I was also curious. I was like, well, I wonder if low key, some of these guys are practicing. Like what if Kawhi has a gym or PG has a gym, but they can't publicly say that like, Hey, let's have the whole team meet up at my gym and practice. Like, cause you can't publicly say that you're doing that. So I wonder if it's like one of those things, because if they already if everybody already tampers and already messes with that, you know, during free agency, I wouldn't be surprised if they were low key doing stuff too here. I really hope they're not, though. I just I just want them to stay home and just quarantine and just self-isolate. There's I don't want anyone to run the risk of getting in large groups, players, people, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, other than that, what did you think of the whole 2K tournament? I thought it's fun. I thought it's interesting. Like the games, the quality of games are just, like I said, they're whatever. But, you know, you, you look and like, yeah, there's a possibility that Montrez Harrell and Patrick Beverly face each other in the in the finals, which would be entertaining from just a trash talk perspective. But I also just want to see them face off against each other, even if it's not in this tournament, just against each other on a, like, on a live stream, just play 2K against each other. I would love to watch that. Yeah, I mean... I really wish they had Patrick Beverly against Kevin Durant. The first match of the game. That I would have paid to see that. Ooh, man. Ooh, that would have done some ratings, wouldn't it? It really would have. And it was so crazy. I was looking at I was looking at TV today on ESPN 1 and ESPN 2. ESPN where they were showing WrestleMania 35, ESPN 2 they were showing esports. And I was like, what a time. Yeah, usually there's some like cuz today think about it, today is a Sunday. 
there's usually all sorts of sports stuff on. You got racing, you have basketball. I mean, it's, it's, it's early April. So you, this was supposed to be the stretch run of the season, like a week or two left in the regular season. Hockey would have been on all this, all these sports golf would have been on to like, you know, distract us. And instead we get 2k between players and a re-airing of a WrestleMania from the year before. Yeah. And you know what kind of snuck in there in the middle of that first broadcast was Brian Winhurst going on SportsCenter and saying the NBA is angling to shut down the season. And I don't know what you think about that. What do you think? It makes sense to me. To me, it just makes sense, doesn't it? I I don't know. I, I still can't. I think it's too early. Like, it just seems way, way, way too early to talk about that in early April. I think where I come in on it is at a certain point, they have to start thinking about next season. And trying to get this season in is obviously a priority. However, they also need to find a way to get next season kicked off in time to have it done by the summer, which means you got to fit in free agency. You got to fit in a draft, however you can, all this stuff. You got to find a way to do it. And I just don't think we're at a realistic situation where we're going to have, you know, events with even without fans. I mean, you know, not to get political or anything, but California governor Gavin Newsom was asked about the NFL potentially starting up in September And he said, that's not just not doable for the state of California. And look in the state of California, you have four NBA teams, three of them, two of them in particular, the Clippers and Lakers are high seeds in the West. The other one, the second one of the other ones, the Sacramento Kings is trying to get into the playoffs at the time that this season got postponed. Uh, The other one is the Warriors who are basically like almost a lock to be a top four uh, lottery team. So, they have to figure out and they only have a limited amount of time. I think in the next three weeks, by the end of this month, we're going to know whether or not there's a, there's the season's going to be done. I th- I don't think they will, but I would like to see it finished, but it's also not a necessity at this point in time uh, in society with everything that's happening. I'm going to tell you why I disagree with that. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might be thinking there's nothing to bet on. Well, folks, you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Las Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open, 24 hours a day, and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. That's right, $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and yes, even the weather. At a certain point, the weather might be the only thing left for us to bet on, but you can still bet on it. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, BLUEWIRE. 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit, Blue Wire. Bet online, your online wagering experts. So I'm going to tell you why I disagree with that. It's the end of the month, 
I still think that's too early. And it seemed like it, it there's a couple things. One, no one seems to have any accurate information. One day we're hearing Austin Rivers say that they're going to do a two out of three playoff. And then another day we hear Donald Trump say, expect fans to come in arenas come August. And then another day, you know, we hear someone saying they're going to do everything in their power to make sure the season doesn't shut down. It just seems like everybody is just, it almost feels, honestly, it almost feels like when Kawhi Leonard was a free agent and everyone was just saying whatever they wanted to say to be that person who, who has the scoop on what's happening. I think everything's going to be a wait and see approach and they'll make that decision come like June. And then if things are still awful by June, that's when they're going to make the decision. But I, I do believe canceling the season is going to be a very worst case scenario because Adam, Adam Silver already said before they're open to permanently delaying the start of the season moving forward. If that's what it takes to keep this season going. And it, and I also remember reading somewhere that if they cancel the season, then everybody technically gets draft picks and then it messes. It just messes so many things up to straight up cancel the season, especially when you basically only have the playoffs left at this point you know um i just can't see them making that decision until june there's no way they make that decision until june so this is where i fall on it right where it's april 6th you look at it and let's say by the end of this month there's no determination on when the season's going to resume if it is at all but let's hypothetically say we get to May 1st and nothing's been decided, right? This means that if the pandemic doesn't, I'm not going to say goes away, but if it slows down, if they find a way to minimize everything that's going on, basically the month of May would be them hoping everything kind of dies down. They're able to get some workouts in, if that, and then June comes around and maybe they have locations secured. This is where Austin Rivers floating the idea of Las Vegas as one of the th propositions that was proposed um, comes into play because there's Thomas and Mack Center, which there's two courts there. And then uh, there's T-Mobile Arena, which you might be able to do. So you'd have three arenas. And of course, there's you know other areas like the Orleans has an arena and stuff like that. I believe MGM Grand has has a basketball court as well. So like you can, you can do these, like there's venues and all this stuff, but you look at it and it's like, so June could be a realistic starting point for a postseason, but that's if everything goes well. And I don't know if it's going to go well. I don't think it is, but that's also just the pessimist in me personally. And maybe it's the pessimist in me where I just sit there and go, I just don't think the NBA season is going to resume. And I think it's just going to be a season that, you know, five, six, seven years we look back for at and just go, damn, man, like if only like if that didn't happen, we could have had this, you know, like we could have had this and this and this X, Y, Z. And, you know, like we could have had Giannis and Kawhi or Giannis and LeBron or, you know, all these other machinations possible. And to me, this will just always go down, win, lose or draw on how this pandemic goes as the what if season. What if this didn't happen? What if it didn't happen to this extent? What if we had been prepared earlier or later or yada, yada, like, you know what I mean? So I don't know 
if it resumes, I lean more towards that it's not going to. And I think, and maybe this is just my own sanity trying to keep myself sane, is I try to look at it as I'm preparing for the worst case scenario, which is the NBA season is done, but hoping for the best case scenario, which is they can resume in June. Even July. Even July. If they get the playoffs started in July... And, you know, you just use June as the training camp or the pseudo training camp and like two preseason games or whatever, or pre- scrimmage games against your team and all this stuff just to get ready for July, then that's fine with me. You know, I mean, it's just going to be one of those things where I think it's OK to say we don't know if it's going to resume. I don't know. I don't think it will, but I don't know. I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. I had a fan ask us on Twitter his name was Brian R Twitter username B Roy underscore one, 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 seven. He said clips took a big swing at this season. What will that mean for next season? If it's all over? That's a good question. Um, so here's the thing, right? It wasn't even just that they traded for Paul George and they gave up draft picks and Shea and Gallinari. It wasn't even that they just traded uh, a first round pick and I mean, if you want to say Mo Harkless for uh, Marcus Morris, it's that they signed, basically they only had Kawhi and PG guaranteed for two years and everything else is a crapshoot. Well, in that case, you've literally been forced by what happened around the world. You've been forced to put all your eggs into a one year window. That is a very dangerous game where a lot of things can go wrong. And to be fair and to be clear and fair on this, a lot of things went wrong this year. Kawhi has missed games, obviously due to injury management. Paul George missed games first partially due or the first part was due to his shoulder. And then partially after that due to his hamstring, but he missed games. Patrick Beverly missed time. Uh, You know, you had other guys missed time. Landry Shamit missed time. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where they got hit by the injury bug. And if this was a one-year window, like if, if you view 2019, 20 as a one-year window, it's kind of went pretty bad for them, despite them being the two seed from like an injury standpoint. Well, all that shifts to next season to 20, 2021. That's, that's what it shifts to. And now you're kind of trying to navigate this road where you're just hoping to God, you don't run into a speed bump. And that's very tough. That's that's going to be something where it's very tough to pull off. It very rarely ever happens. And I don't know if it works, but it's something they had to go for. I'm not going to... I do not fault people for making aggressive mistakes. And that goes for general managers. That goes for teams. If you make aggressive mistakes, I don't really fault you all that much. At least you tried something. But for the Clippers, it would push them to a one-year window... And they would not be alone. The Milwaukee Bucks would be in that in that uh, butt with them too, because Giannis would be a free agent after the next after the upcoming season. The Los Angeles Lakers can be in a similar situation. LeBron's a free agent at the end of the season, I believe, of, of the next season, I believe. And while I think he would still stay because of everything that's happened, you never know. On top of that, he's he's a year older. You don't know what happens. You know, Anthony Davis was looking really good. Who knows what, you know, next season, but like all this thing, all these things for next season, it just becomes this almost like a Jenga puzzle where if you just pull out one little block, everything can come crashing down. Yeah. I mean, it's really weird because 
this was a big year just because you know Trez was in his contract year too, and you don't know how much he's gonna get paid with how big he's improved. But then it's like, well, if the season gets canceled, everyone's losing a lot of money. The salary cap is going down. Players' salaries are getting re- reduced. Like, how much are people gonna get paid? You know what I mean? Like, everyone gets hurt. Everyone financially gets killed in this. So it's like, how much would he get paid? Does that mean he ends up staying longer because it's harder to get paid and you want to get that guarantee? Like, that the, all those questions are going to be really interesting, but I do know they're just, they're going to want to avoid that at all costs just to for the sake of normalizing so many things. Yeah. And like, here's, so here's the thing, right? Let, let's talk about free agency for a second uh, for this upcoming offseason. You're an NBA general manager. How do you evaluate this free agent class? Because you've got 65 games out of people, max. And like, let's say you're Montrezl Harrell and you've had a really nice season. But how are GMs going to look at that season and be like, it was a very nice season, but it was only 65 games because of everything that happened. We don't know what he's going to do with a bigger role and more games and X, Y, Z. And all of a sudden you're left, you're left with less of a bag to, to secure for you and your family for the future, because now the NBA has lost BRI uh, and their revenue has gone down because of uh, the initial China thing with Daryl Morey. And then there's, you know, this whole pandemic, which has killed their business and their business model uh, in conjunction with each other. So now the salary cap's going to be completely lowered which means the average salary is going to go down even on max salaries. So what's a middle, what's a middling salary look like? What would Montres Harrell in a market? Like if you just assume the market didn't change, what would like, what would $20 million in this market look like in the market? That's actually going to happen in the upcoming off season where salaries are going to get suppressed. Is that 13 million now? Is a, is a guy who would have got 20 million a year going to get 13, 14 million? Cause I, I know it sounds crazy, but $6 million is a hefty pay cut. Yeah. I mean, it's just, everything is unfathomable. Like absolutely. You can't really figure out how exactly it's going to work. And I think every, if it does get canceled, we're just going to end up all being glued to Twitter to try and figure out how things are going to work. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think of how to like put it into words. It's basically an empty board. It's like an empty chess board where you have to make the first move, but, but you don't know what to do because you don't know the opponent that you're playing against and their tendencies. And that's what this has turned into. This pandemic has basically forced everything to come to a screeching halt. And it should, because you have to take it seriously. And if you don't take it seriously, that's when bad things happen. As we're seeing in several countries and states and yada, yada, yada. And And if you take it seriously and everything comes to a halt, which it has in the NBA, I don't know what price tag you put on certain free agents. And as it pertains to the Los Angeles Clippers, I don't know what that means for Montrezl Harrell. I don't know what that means for Marcus Moore Sr. Because the Clippers have his non-bird rights, which means they can start him as high as $18 million a year. But 
in a market where salaries are suppressed because of the lack of money now, does 14 million a year get him? 15? Talk about Marcus Morris. Like if, if $15 million a year gets you Marcus Morris, I mean, on one hand, that's great, but it also sucks for Marcus Morris. You know what, you know what it also forces us to do? Drive ourselves crazy. Look at old basketball clips. And it's made us start looking at Lob City more and more. And for some reason, Lob City has been in the news like nonstop the last week and a half or so. And Chris Paul had a really interesting interview on the All the Smoke podcast of Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, where he, you know, he basically said when it came to Blake Griffin and, the, and Lob City, you don't know what you have until it's gone. And he said he definitely appreciated Blake Griffin more now than he used to, especially with them jumpers and shit. I don't know how to feel. I'm going to tell you why. I think they should have appreciated each other more, first of all. And secondly, I just don't think they were at the right stage of their career to appreciate each other. I think Chris was so at the point of, I have to win, I have to win, I have to win, that he graded on people, which I understand. And I just think Blake was so young. It was, he was just trying to do what he knew how to do. And Blake adapted his game. Like he made more jumpers as years went by. And that's that, that helped Chris and that helped the team. Obviously they were still a high profile offensive, uh, you know, engine in terms of the efficiency department. But I just, I think they just didn't appreciate another each other enough because I just don't think they were at the right stage of their careers to, to do so like Blake Griffin, like last year's Blake Griffin with Detroit, I think appreciates Chris Paul from lob city. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's just tough because I don't think either one knew what they had until it was gone. I know Blake didn't. You could just tell because he didn't know. He didn't know how good and easy. I'm not going to say easy. I shouldn't say easy. How easier. There we go. It was for him with Chris Paul alongside him until Chris left. Then things became, you know, tougher for him to get his baskets. Teams overloaded him, etc. And with Chris, they didn't really do that because Chris was such a savant that, you know, everything was on a string. And I just... The biggest what if for me with that team, believe it or not, is if they had been able to get Chris Paul like two years later. The biggest what if for that team with me is if they could have just gotten a better small forward. I always thought that was like their biggest Achilles heel because the best small forward they had was Matt Barnes, who was coming off the bench for other teams. Like if they had gotten a Gallinari, who they should have gotten, like I really think it would have been game over for them. The problem is they just swung and missed in the draft. Well, they swung and missed in the draft, and they also made stupid, like, if we're going to really, like, look back at it, it's like there was a lot of stupid Doc Rivers GM decisions of let's not pay Darren Collison and let's pay Spencer Hawes and let's get Jordan. Like, there was just so many decisions. I was like, that's awful. Let's trade a pick to get rid of Jared Dudley? Like, are you kidding me? And there's so many decisions where I was like, all you had to do is make a smart small forward decision for one year because their game plan all the time was, well, let's just let Kevin Durant go off on us and let's just let Russell Westbrook go off on us. Like that's like, you see what 
as good as Lob City was, like that game plan wasn't all that great if you didn't win. Yeah. You know, like I I just think that they were a flawed team that was just really fun. And I think the quote unquote funness gets lost in a lot of things because, you know, obviously you want to win and I, I don't blame anyone for that. But at the end of the day, like they were really fun. I just don't think they ever were able to figure it out. I'm not going to say on the court because on the court, they were really freaking good. I, I don't think people understand how good that team was, but I just think that they ran into roadblocks personality wise, which is bound to happen when you're around people five, six, seven years. I, I do think they would have appreciated themselves if a, if they had just won or B they would have stopped getting hurt, getting hurt because you look at the warriors and you look at Draymond and if the warriors had been losing, they they're not going to put up with Draymond's crap at all. Like they're not going to put up with Draymond at all. If that team is losing, you're only putting up with Draymond's crap because you're winning. So if Blake and CP, you know, had some kind of friction, everybody has friction. Jordan Pippen have friction. Shaq and Kobe have friction, but winning fixes everything. And if they just didn't choke against Houston or, you know, had won or just not gotten injured all the damn time, I don't think we'd be talking about how much they appreciated each other or anything like that. It would just been like they won together and that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just one of those things. I think we're just going to always kind of wonder what would have happened. And it's a very sad thing to kind of live like that. But it is what it is. If you really want to get, do you want, do you want me to piss you off real quick? I guess so. <laughs> okay. So you brought up the Dudley trade, right? All right. All right. Depending you, so, on what you say, I'm, I may or may not play the, the clip of Steve Ballmer doing pretty damn cool. So we'll see. You're, you're not going to play that clip. I promise you. <laughs> they trade away Jared Dudley with a first round pick, right? They salary dump him with a pick. Do you know who that pick turns out to be? Was it like, was it Diamond Stone or something? No. The pick that they traded away went to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks then traded that pick to Toronto. Toronto selected OG Ananobi. Okay. You want it? You want the worst one? Go for it. Trade deadline 2016. They trade away Lance Stevenson in a first for like 20 games of Jeff Green. Remember that? Oh, uh, well, hell yeah, Jeff Green. Okay. Do you want to know who the first round pick turned out to be? Let me know. Matisse Thibel. This is like the opposite of the Steve Ballmer pretty damn cool meme. So this is why I'm bringing this up, okay? This is why. We talk about how the Lob City Clippers were devoid of legitimate small forwards outside of Matt Barnes to some degree. And then in the, in the trades that they made, the picks they give up turned out to be good small forwards, good defensive, hyperactive small forwards who can somewhat shoot the three, which is exactly what they needed. And literally all they needed was a good three and D small forward. OG Ananobi, 38% from three this year. Matisse Thibel, 35% from three this year. You can't see it, but I'm making a very big double chin face with my mustache and it's very gross. And all this is very gross. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to bring people down. It's what I do. 
You know, look, I, I will say this. Last night on NBA TV, they played Game 7 of the Clippers and Spurs, which to me is the greatest Game 7 I've ever watched. I know some people are going to say Heat, Spurs, and and uh, Warriors, Cavs. I understand it. I That's fine if they believe that way. That game, to me, was the epitome of Lob City Clippers. Chris Paul getting injured. The team fighting like hell in a close competitive matchup against a reigning defending champion. Chris Paul comes back in that game on one goddamn leg, makes one of the greatest shots in the history of the NBA, and then they lose the next round after being up 3-1. That sums up to me the Lob City Clippers, the highs and the lows, and I think you have to love it all. Otherwise, you didn't, you didn't love it while it was happening. Greatest Clipper game in history. Ever in the history of that franchise. When Chris Paul retires and they build his statue at the new arena, and they are going to because he deserves one, I think it should be that shot. The the same exact shot he hit against the Grizzlies game two. I remember that. The bank shot, one leg. Against Tony Allen, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I love him for what he was on the court. He was an awesome off-court guy in terms of what he did in the community. I really, the one thing this season I've loved more than anything, uh, non-Clippers related, is how many people have realized Chris Paul is one of the greatest basketball players to ever lace up a pair of sneakers. Yeah, that's the one thing that's come out of, you know, him playing on the Thunder is everybody realized, oh, oh, damn, Chris Paul's pretty good. And, like, they kind of forgot that when he was on the Rockets for some reason. Even though, like, he was the reason why they won game six. Or, sorry, why it went to seven games against the Warriors. Because if it wasn't for him, they would have lost way earlier against the Warriors two seasons ago. I hope that someday in the future, um, and this is me getting sappy and I apologize to people. I hope one day in the future when... Chris's jersey number is retired and Blake's jersey's number is retired and their statues are unveiled. I hope they're there together and I just hope they hug each other and I hope they reminisce about the good times that they had with the Clippers because they were, they were good times. And while the losing in dramatic and heartbreaking ways obviously sucks, I think those years together that, group of lob city also with deandre jordan and you know like jj reddick to a lesser degree that trio that duo specifically were the clippers and i think they deserve to get their jerseys retired together i think they deserve to have a statue separate statues but together and i will never be able to adequately put into words what they did for me as a fan as a writer as a content person, as, as a, as a person in general. And I just want them to know that this is a very dark time in the world, but I want them to know that I love them for everything that they did. I, I, I can't be as sappy as you, but for some reason, all I was thinking as you were saying that was because I'm a huge troll was, wouldn't it be funny if it was like a surprise and they didn't know the other person was going to be at their jersey retirement and they had Chris come through a locker room to surprise Blake? That'd be great. 
That would be, you know, they should, Funny or Die should do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. We're going to, folks, we're going to be back next week. You know, as the news happens, we'll give it to you. So we'll be back either in a couple days or next week. Everyone stay safe, social distance, wear masks, love each other, respect each other. And I'm Justin Russo. Hey, hey. You had to do it, man. Oh, God, I love you. All right, folks. Farbrot ruined it. Farbrot screwed it up for everybody. All right, guys. Take it easy. If you have loved ones that rely on your income, you need life insurance. But finding the best quote shouldn't take a lifetime. With Policy Genius, you could save 50% or more by comparing quotes from America's top insurers. First, head to policygenius.com. In minutes, Policy Genius will compare prices starting at as little as $1 a day. You might even be eligible to fast track your coverage with a no exam policy. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the paperwork and red tape. If you have any questions, their team of licensed independent experts is on hand to help. In fact, Policy Genius's award winning service has a five star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. Make today the day you cross life insurance off your list and get protection for your loved ones. You could save 50% or more by comparing quotes. To get covered, Head to policygenius.com today.